0: welcome back to fitness or fiction a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry
1: every week we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey three two one boom we're live with curtis howden
0: welcome everybody this is my lovely co-host eric berg that's me i borrow, i gave him a sock today for his head so
1: Oh, yes, I'm wearing a sock. You can't hear that because it's audio, but maybe you can feel it through the microphone.
0: Well, if you're on YouTube, you can see it, feel it, love it. I had
1: a bad hair day, man, okay? We're just going to start it anyways um, <laughs> and talk about the effects of exercise
0: on the brain. Effects of exercise on the brain. This is actually kind of a near and dear topic to my heart, and you know that, don't you? I do. Yeah, so like... One of the main concepts that I kind of get fired up about is that we need to understand what we're doing in the first place. Like when I ask people, what are the impacts of exercise that are most important for you? Oftentimes I get blank stares. Yeah. And for me, that's just such an opportunity to be like, no, like if you know what target you're aiming at, you're so much more likely to hit it. Do you have a favorite uh, effect of exercise?
1: Maybe not on the brain specifically, but what's your favorite? (laughs) Um... Well, why is exercise important, Curtis? Number one most important thing to you. It makes your life better. Ah, see, I was going to say it makes you harder to kill. I like that one. Naturally.
0: Just in general, it makes your life better. Like, we're going to talk today about a lot of these concepts, but I would argue and position that what you're doing with exercise is training your brain. The outcomes of exercise are from the brain.
1: 100%. I don't think most people think or approach it in that manner at all though they think just exercise is just purely physical just beating up the body more than anything
0: well the concept of mind body is is quite funny to me because it's like well there's no separating those two like your body is is running off of what your brain's asking it to do period yeah so like i understand the underpinnings of you know spiritual and whatever else and that makes more sense but like the whole mind body thing i'm like no just wait a second here if we understand what exercise is we should be focusing on the way that we're feeling the way we're connecting with our body anyways because we are training the brain and if we understand that um that sort of pre descriptor that that, that's what it's going to be then everything else just makes a lot more sense Mm -hmm. so
1: so i think generally when people think about their exercise and they're like oh i'm going to lose weight and i'm going to uh have less like risk for like cardiac disease. They think about like increasing bone density, but they actually don't think about. I don't think the effects of the brain are actually discussed at all. Like in my past ten years in industry, or you go on Instagram, social media, TikTok, nobody's really talking about the other health benefits. Most people just like the aesthetics and uh, getting like looking prettier.
0: Well, and and what what happens when that wears off? Because at some point, you're going to discover that no matter how good you look, you're going to think you could look better. You're like the job isn't done, essentially, is what you're going to discover. And you're Story. Also
1: Story of my life, bro. What? Maximum good looking. Yeah. <laughs> don't even notice it or feel it.
0: Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also one of these things where like, oh, I want a six pack. Oh, I want a better six pack. I want an eight pack. And once you get there, you don't feel any different
1: i honestly don't yeah and that's something that people don't understand me like i've had a six pack and i've been in relatively good shape for a long time i don't feel like i'm that jack though and when people tell me like wow you look super jacked or Eric, how much do you weigh oh, like 200 pounds i'm like ha huh, like 171 soaking wet yes but uh yeah. the muscle makes you look a little bit larger but yeah body dysmorphia and how you feel about yourself it's kind of like when rich people say that being rich isn't the answer they're like being rich isn't going to make you super happy
0: it can make things better and and i'm going to say i actually think that feeling confident in how you look and being able to just kind of go swimming and not worry about it i have some some friends that are actually worried about going swimming with certain people because of how they'll feel versus them and stuff like this so there is a psychological underpinning there but and i'm not going to say there's no impact to how you look i think people should be comfortable with the way that they look and it doesn't need all I'm saying is it doesn't need to be this kind of outrageous outlandish outcome mm-hmm. like you don't have to have a six-pack to feel confident in yourself and part of what we're going to discuss today is the idea that even if you're going to therapy um, the neurochemicals in the brain are well balanced by exercise mm-hmm. and it can it can actually apply to a variety of things physiologically um, exercise changes things neurologically mechanically metabolically All of these things are are really guided by the brain, so this is kind of like a, this is the foundation of being a healthier person, and I think that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, so let's just run into some of the basics here, and then uh, I'll keep it basic. You can break it down more if you so choose. I think some of these are more interesting than others. So the first one I got is exercise feeds the brain, essentially due to its high metabolic demand. The brain demands a lot of calories throughout the day. Uh, it demands good circulation
0: and obviously exercise is going to increase circulation yeah so exercise helps with capillarization which is pushing blood to the end of the capillaries Mm -hmm. Um, so yes circulation is good getting blood into the most energy hungry system per body weight in the body your brain is a good thing and can help it function better that's That's big surprise
1: that's relative though because your highest demand is your biceps but that's just you uh number two
0: (laughs) okay that that we're assuming that's a logical statement i like to to just
1: throw you right under the bus and Mm -hmm. then not give you any chance for rebuttal it's an easy win (laughs) (laughs) i'm okay with that uh so number two i think this one's a little bit more interesting um exercise secures priceless memories so this is exercise increases synaptogenesis which is the big boy word Mm. So it becomes easier to form and retain long-term memories. This helps with things like dementia and Alzheimer's, things like that. Um, you want to geek out a little bit on the neurochemicals? Or you, know, how,
0: I, you know, I do. How does that actually work? Well, we there... don't even need to talk about the chemicals themselves yet. Like when we talk about synaptic transmission, it's it's basically like you've got this little space between the um, transmitters and the neuro, the, uh, the actual. Um, po- pre-synaptic and post-synaptic um, neurons. And there's this little tiny space in there that it has to kind of bridge the gap. There has to be a connection made there. There's not physical connection. It's, it's a chemical connection. Um, so, you know, when we start looking at, at that, our, our neurotransmitters are going to help us make those connections. And you could look at this in two different ways. Like, A, exercise is going to, first of all, the f- prefrontal cortex, where you do most of your thinking, mm-hmm. that comes out of your motor cortex. We can talk about that evolutionarily speaking, but we can also say, well, when does a kid learn how to wa- how to talk? And it's usually right around the time where they've figured out a lot of the basic movements of life. Mm-hmm. So the amount that we move creates the function for us speaking and doing these higher order um, topics. Mm-hmm. But there's a book called Spark by John J. Ratty and I think it might be Ratey, R-A-T-E-Y, but anyways, um, what he does in this book is he makes the case for exercise, and it shows schools in the States that were performing poorly in in measures of math and things like this. They started doing heart rate monitored exercise mandatory every morning, and there's this story about one of the phys ed teachers feeling like crying because he was giving a girl really bad grades, but once he put her on the heart rate monitor, she was working one of the most consistently hardest in the class, Mm. and he felt like garbage when he realized that because he was misrepresenting her effort levels yeah um, perceived but, effort is not yeah. the same as
1: realistic effort exactly
0: so but what they did was they took these schools that were underperforming and they had them performing uh, the same as some schools that are notable for for their performance especially in mathematics and they happen to be in China I'm not making any statements on that but um, schools that were performing really well as far as mathematics and the, these schools started rivaling them as they they did this and um, what, what they started noticing was a few things. And one of the things that they noticed is that people can learn better. So when we talk about synaptogenesis, creating more synapses, um, there's the physical outcome of more, more actual mass in the prefrontal cortex and hypothalamus, which connects different areas of the brain. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other aspect to it where it increases levels of brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF. And that's like miracle grow for for new circuits um so you know when we when we talk about this it's like well your memories are going to be better you're going to have more volume more areas of your brain that you can make more robust And in a situation like mine i'm trying to protect what i have due to neurodegenerative changes and a lot of people are going to be dealing with that in the next little while because we've seen that Alzheimer's, dementia, and a variety of autoimmune challenges have increased over uh the 20th century and, and continue to go on that trail.
1: So. Yeah. Another like fun fact when you talk about these schools who are actually doing exercise before actually learning. That's something that you mentioned to me when I was studying for different kind of exams and certifications and th- things I was taking. You kind of always told me like go hit some cardio or go do a little bit of movement before you actually sit down for study time, like rather than grinding out four to five hours of study, can you essentially lay down like a blanket statement, I guess, for listeners on like roughly what would be a good idea, like how long like duration of exercise before actually trying to take on and retain new information?
0: So I think the the way that they categorized it in the book is they said between 20 and 30 minutes, keeping your heart elevated above
1: 65%. So 65% of your heart rate. Thirty minutes, yeah. and then to, and then hit the books.
0: Yeah, and you know, I would like more more research done on types of exercises and their impacts and things like this. But um, I would say you can do shorter periods if you're at higher intensities. But I, I talked to a guy um, that's originally from Africa, and he has his um, his name's Tende, um, but he has his master's in exercise phys. And one of one of the things that he studied was the actual cognitive function during exercise. And he said that you could just see it climb and climb and climb. And then once somebody got tired, you see it start falling again. Mm -hmm. So really what you want to do there is do a type of exercise that's going to, you're not going to go for broke. You're not going to get rid of every last bit of energy you have. You want to kind of live in that like between 70 and 85% area that we know is super valuable for things like weightlifting and and Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's, if you want to nerd out about it, that's kind of where you go. You talk about how a synapse forms, you talk about how the actual Um, mechanics of the brain, hypertrophy, uh, especially the prefrontal cortex and hypothalamus. Mm -hmm. And then we can start getting into that whole game of neurochemicals, which is going to help us make these connections and, and form these synapses. Yeah. Okay,
1: let's move along. Number three, exercise lowers stress impact. I think this has a lot to do with just your stress resilience overall and in general. Something I've definitely felt and noticed in my life. But um, the little bullet point I have saying exercise reduces stress receptors in the hippocampus, which minimizes the effect of stress hormones on the brain, decreasing the impact of stressful experiences. So to my understanding, it's not that it makes things less stressful, but your body just becomes better at dealing with the hormones of stress.
0: Yeah, I would call this a scaling effect. So like... If I punch you in the face, which I wouldn't do because you're too pretty. You would love to, though. No, no, (laughs) no, no. no. Uh, But if I were to punch you in the face, if I were to give you a light pinch on the hand after, are you going to recognize that as a a threat?
1: Major Payne did a great job of this. Yeah, exactly. The movie.
0: You you want something with that pain? Busted his finger sideways. He tried to do it to a five-year-old later in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Damon Wayans, classic. But... It's, it's kind of the scaling effect and I say to my clients often like we can get really into all of the uh, receptors and all of that or we can just say something to the effect of listen if you eat something that's really spicy and then you have something that's less spicy after you're probably not going to notice it as if you you would if you had the thing that was less spicy first mm-hmm. it's the same idea with exercise if, th- if that's the hardest part of your day everything else feels easy yeah and I can tell you most of the times when I'm exercising, that's going to be the hardest part of my day so everything else is it's scaled it just feels different yeah and that's kind of like the the broken down kind of variation to talk about it cognitively so
1: future reference i'd love to discuss uh wim Hof and his methodology with you on one of these episodes because he talks a lot about that stress resilience with his like uh cold weather endurance and Things yeah. like that. But that's that's for another episode, I think. I just want to put it on your brain.
0: Yeah, that's that's more on the topic of scaling. I think
1: that would be great. Exercise promotes better sleep, obviously. <laughs> Being active gives you more energy throughout the day and during the day to help you sleep better at night. In turn, better sleep improves creativity and brain function. During sleep, the brain reorganizes and recharges itself and removes waste byproducts accumulated throughout the day.
0: Yeah, so you can go a, a bunch of different directions on that one, but I like to really focus on the connections. So like the connections that it's forming, that's, that's a lot of activity in the hypothalamus and, and making different connections of different zones. Um, for me, I remember I was learning how to air chair behind a boat, which is, have you ever seen air chairing? You know, like sitting down and you have this huge hydrofoil under you and you can come up out of the water on the foil mm. and, and you can do flips and crazy stuff. But when I was learning to do that, it was all about controlling your pelvic tilt, which is a very different thing to control something on the water with. But I remember after my first day, that night I was having dreams most of the night, making those connections. And the next day, I I tell you, it was like half of the challenge figuring out how to control that thing. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's a huge benefit. But I really do think that we get in these closed energy loops where it's like, oh, I can't exercise because I feel like I I have low energy. But I have low energy, so I don't do anything during the day, and then I have a hard time falling asleep or I'm waking up, and it's it's this kind of cycle that that people get into whereas even with my kids if i can take them and put them through something that's going to be mentally and physically challenging especially in an environment that's that has a lot of good connections and relationships around them um, i can see the impacts of that they sleep like champs and again in spark they reference um, these nuns that were in i think in italy or italy or greece and one of the two but they were Living past a hundred consistently, and they started studying them, and it's like, well, they get enough sleep, they spend lots of time with really good community connections, and they, they do exercise together as well. So they started talking about how the impacts of exercise on the brain are heightened when it's done in community. Yeah, which is good to know.
1: Mm-hmm. It's also like this is a weird reference, but. You know when you talk about like kids like you're burning your kids out physically and mentally i've seen that in other animals as well like with dogs like dog owners for instance when they want to burn their dog out oh the dog didn't go for a run today oh i don't have or it's too cold or it's raining outside so i don't want to take the dog for a walk i'm like well to take that 45 minutes that you're going to do a dog walk for and work on some training or some tricks and watch your dog burn out like if i teach my dog a new trick for 30 to 45 minutes he's smoked after like yeah he, he's acted like i took him for a giant run because he's so busy trying to process like what do you want dad what do you want like what do you oh you want this oh you want that and he's burnt out like you can see the anxiety in him almost because of the stress because he's trying to figure out what exactly dad wants and to try to execute it
0: well and you can take it back and talk about stress scaling like if you have all this extra energy that you just don't have anywhere to put it's likely going to go into places you don't want it to go Mm -hmm. and if you understand anything about psychology you know that you don't know yourself that well Mm -hmm. like (laughs) some some of the things that you think you don't understand until you talk it through which is the one of the things i love about sitting here and chatting with you yeah we actually get to get through this and talk about why we think what we think and whatever and you know we might not always be right but we're entering into this to try to understand better and oftentimes you take a different path than i would have even yeah. if we're both kind of on a on a path that isn't wrong necessarily but it's like, well, that was a different way of thinking of it than I could. And that's that's yeah. how you better yourself.
1: I'm a fan of that with like journaling as well. I don't journal all the time, but I like to try to increase it. But yeah. journaling is like decoupling my thoughts and like reorganizing my brain and trying to sort things out, like you said. Yeah, of course. The next one, we kind of already discussed it, but it says it may help you pay attention. Essentially, an IAPF or Individual Alpha Peak, Peak Frequency is part of the EEG test, which I've never done. Yeah. How do you pronounce EEG again?
0: Oh, I'm not going to go after that one.
1: Electroencephalogram. Yeah,
0: encephalogram, yeah.
1: Which measures measures your ability to focus and pay attention. It seems to go up higher one to two hours after intense exercise. Steady state or low intensity did not seem to have the same effect from the studies that I was looking at. So that would show you that, um, again, you can't necessarily exercise and then go and study for like six hours and try to like hope that you're going to retain that information better it's again like short durations of focus is better than just like a long drawn out going on Facebook TikTok Instagram like half half in half out um,
0: yeah are you ever really truly focusing if you're if your attention's all over the place yeah like that there's no it's not multitasking it's task switching that's what your brain's doing so you're just giving less attention to each one mm-hmm. and some people can do an okay job of that depending on the task but the big idea here is, you're learning how to focus, and that's what I love about things like Olympic lifting. For me, that's good because I run a little hot. I, I do a lot of, a lot of thinking. I, I'm kind of hyper, and when I'm Olympic lifting, it's so complex and challenging that I don't have the opportunity to think about anything else. I yeah. have to zone in and be present, and I really loved that. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I really love that sport. It's not just the exercise or the outcome of lifting, uh, the weight. It's actually everything that went into it and the periods of deep focus that it requires.
1: I 100% agree. I appreciated my weightlifting for that as well because it definitely offered that. I had to very like pay attention to all the little details to try to get a clean lift because for me, a clean lift was like, it felt easy. Like almost the weight kind of just teleported above, like from the floor to above head and you stood up and it was kind of effortless. If it was effortless to me, that was a sign that I was um, executing a higher level of technique. Whereas when my form broke down or things kind of got sloppy, it was heavier, more uncomfortable.
0: Or, um But like that, that's a transcendent conversation in a lot of ways. Because you're talking about a weight that you know feels a certain way. Mm-hmm. And when you're aiming at a standard and you know the technical standard you're looking at, when you have that, that aim and that focus and you deliver on it, what happens to the weight? your original thought on what that weight means to you is different. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when I snatched my provincial record, 126 kilos at Westerns, I remember catching that and standing up and being like, there's another 10 kilos there. Yeah, Heaviest weight I ever lifted in a snatch and won me the, the snatch at Westerns and set a new record for Alberta that nobody ever broke in that weight category. Mm-hmm. And the way that I felt about it was, why can't I do that every time? Yeah. because that weight didn't feel like it felt off the ground usually it didn't feel that way all the way up it was a different experience even though the fact of the matter was that is still the same weight mm-hmm. it, it what it meant to me was different based on what was executed and yeah. that, that's such a cool part of that sport we can talk about that more another time though
1: I got two more. One is it uh, helps you avoid dementia. There's a correlation between dementia and things like obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, depression, and exercise directly combats these ailments. Exercise also increases your brain gray and white matter, which serves to process information in the brain, things like your personality, intelligence, motor functioning, yeah. planning, organization, language, processing, Seems like a lot of a lot of stuff with the brain yeah, does.
0: That's more speaking along the lines of like hypertrophy in, in the prefrontal lobe and, and the hypothalamus. That's along that line of thought. But um when we talk about things like dementia and whatever, there's a lot of causative and correlative actions. So a lot of people aren't real big fans these days of correlating um total body mass, especially fat mass with with ill health. It's just out of style right now. Mm-hmm. Um and there's some reasons for that because you you don't want to look at somebody and say, well, you're bad because of the X, Y, and Z, right? This is all the stuff you're causing. That's not the way to talk to somebody. So I get it. But there's a lot of causative and correlative stuff there, which is fine. But when we look at the outcomes of like dementia, for example, um, you'll have, um, what's his name? Um, He did Grain Brain, I think. Um, Anyways, Dave Perlmutter. Dave Perlmutter will talk endlessly about um your body's response to carbohydrates especially quick carbs and how it can be neurotoxic and it can he talks about um uric acid and how that can lead to dementia and all these things and it's like all of those impacts can be decreased with exercise Mm -hmm. like even if you went for a 10 minute walk really low level your insulin response changes drastically yeah so there i'm not even worried about what somebody's health status is i don't want to get bogged down in that What I would say is that there's things that you can do that'll just help your health in general. Yeah. And so one of them is, you know, get up and move. Uh, Just some consistent circulation can really help. And uh, the stuff that you're talking about there with dementia, like when we talk on the brain level, circulatory, uh, neurotransmitter, actual, size, and then we can talk neuro, the nutrient partitioning, meaning your body, if you're asking your muscles to do hard work, it's going to partition carbohydrates to the muscles more than it is to the organs and things like that. And then therefore decrease the need for, for insulin response and things like that. So mm-hmm. the metabolic outcomes of exercise are going to tell the brain to do things that are really beneficial as well. And I think that would kind of wrap that matzo ball up pretty decent.
1: Okay. My last one is it makes your brain more flexible. So neuroplasticity is the ability for your brain to change when you learn new things. Your brains are better than older ones at doing this. Or sorry, young brains are better than older ones at doing this. Scientists believe that all forms of exercise can help make your more your brain more flexible. For me, this is something that I notice a lot. I notice it a lot as an, uh, a young kid, too. I was always very tech-savvy, and it's like older people... Not everyone, but some who are resistant to learn new tasks or take on new tasks, like something silly, like changing the time on the VCR. Like, oh, I don't know how to change the time on the VCR, but I'll just, like, make the young Eric do it. Like, oh, Eric, just go and change the time on the VCR. I'm like, well, why don't you want to learn? Like, it's, like, resistant to learning new things because it it requires more memory slots that maybe they just don't want to give up anymore.
0: I would say, like, as you get older, you have more things to think about for sure. Mm-hmm. So you might not have the headspace for it, but... You know, at the end of the day, with the brain, you get more of what you've got. That's why it's one of these things that it, it can be used for good or bad. And this kind of comes back to our life's about millimeters conversation. It's like, well, you can take little steps in a good direction, and it's going to stack up to something good. Or you can do the opposite, and it'll stack up to something real bad. Mm-hmm. And the pace of those can be very different depending on what you're dealing with. And we talked about that pretty thoroughly. But the idea that your brain gets more of what you've got, you better be careful what you're engaging in. Because, you know, cocaine, it's one of those things that it gives you this big surge of dopamine, which is the sensation of like, I'm I'm doing exactly what I should right now. I'm the best. And, and that probably feels great, right? Um, but the typical high is 30 minutes or less, I think. I, I don't know that much about cocaine, but well, I do know...
1: Every time I do it, that's... <laughs> <laughs> jokes. Well, I do know that the
0: more that you do things like that, the more it takes your brain down that pathway. You, you, yeah. want, you want that feeling again. You want more of that. And you'll see people engage in a lot of things that like... The, the better they get, the more they do it, the more they want to do it. Yeah. That's that kind of dopamineric drive of like, I saw an outcome. I want to do it more. And this can be used for really good stuff. Like I've got my kids on rollerblades for the first time last weekend. We finish our first lesson, go inside, went pretty good. And the next day, guess what they're asking? Hey, let's go rollerblade. Yeah. Right? So that, that drive towards something that you're learning, when you stop engaging, I think that's a big piece. And they're finding out that neuroplasticity can be valid all the way into later life Uh, even very old people but the best thing that they can do is continue to challenge their brain and and do things they're not used to. Yeah. And then you know at the end of the day to wrap it all up when you you look at the the research in SPARK they talk about the six main neurochemicals we talked about um, BDNF brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Um, The six main neurochemicals, we could do a whole one on just these six, but dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, glutamate, um, GABA, and acetylcholine, Um, each one of those has a different role in the brain. But exercising actually balances your neurochemicals, meaning exercise is better researched than Zoloft for depression. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, It's better researched than a lot of ADHD medications better researched than a lot of anxiety medications. So when you look at it, it's like, well, it impacts these opposite ends of the scale, like depression and anxiety. What? And it's because it balances these neurochemicals and it has utility for almost anything. So I like to say, you know, the reason you should exercise is because it potentiates everything else. It's the one thing that'll potentiate everything else. It will truly optimize where you're at, even if you're going for like therapy, very valuable thing. If you're doing all the hard work to kind of get better and shoot for something better and, and feel better, why wouldn't you create the chemical environment to do that with exercise too, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it just strikes me as something that is a foundational thing, and, and that's why I'm involved in exercise the way I am.
1: Yeah. So to wrap it in a pretty bow, we want you to exercise. Correct. Fitness or fiction. It's fitness. Fitness. Cool. Cool. Well, I think that was a solid episode, my friend. Thank you for your brain. (laughs)
0: Likewise. (laughs) I liked your little summary there. For any of you that are still here, uh, a little bit of a like. um, Comment, subscribe. Any engagement would be lovely. Share it if you found it valuable. Turn on notifications for the next episode. All all good stuff. But thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.